Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today, I'm joined by an Eddie Bravo 10th Planet Black Belt. He's a CEO of Finishers Enterprises, Finishers Sub Only, at a 10th Planet Bethlehem. He has BJJ instructionals featured on all the leading combat sports platforms like Flow Grappling, BJJ Fanatics, and Ocean's Athletes. His IG game is on point, and he's recently become a new dad. He's fresh off the Zach Edwards Memorial. He's always doing tons of different events. I'm going to jump into that as well. Uh, please join me in welcoming Zach Maslany to the show, everybody. Nice. Hell yeah. Thank you, man. I yes. really appreciate it. That was a sick intro. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. I've I've uh, tried been tracking you down for months uh, trying to get this thing on the books, and I'm so glad that we were able to finally make it happen, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, I got weird schedules, so I'm always all over the place. And um, But yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to be on. I love the the um, intro to the podcast, man. It's, it's really awesome, like just talking about all those different things and entrepreneurs and all that stuff. That's what I'm into, man. That's mm-hmm. like... Uh, the new video games when you become an adult, you know what I mean? It's so crazy that when, cause like, I, I understand that you're into all types of different businesses and we, we can get into that conversation for sure. But it's like, you got this thing going on now. And this is what really spurred me to reach back out to you was you're really trying to give back to the jujitsu community, not through jujitsu, but through business coaching. And that to me is like this different dynamic that you're, you're jumping into. And I think that, there's so many people inside of this sport that are really good athletes, but not great business people. And to make that transition is something of, of an art form. And I'm curious, like, where does that come from for you, that transition or even just the mindset to, to run a business the way that you do? Well, um, I'll start off by saying I never thought I would do the business coaching thing. I've seen, you know, I started seeing it online a little bit. You start seeing these, um, you know, guys come through like a, a guy I'm following right now is um Andy Elliott is his name. Have you heard of this guy yet? No, not yet. Um, so he's a uh, not to go off on a tangent, but um, that's what this is for. But uh, he is a car salesman. He's like a professional car salesman, obviously multimillionaire. Um, his story is he started from the bottom, just like everybody, you know, was a young, broke kid, got into car sales. And now he's like a coach on you know, motivation, you know, he has like a lot of motion, motivational stuff. Um, he's like a positive Andrew Tate, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't take anything <laughs> in the negative. I mean, he does bring up negative stuff, but, um, you know, nothing crazy with women or anything like that. He's just on point with the sales stuff and like how to greet people and a whole bunch of stuff. Like, uh, it's so funny. Like when someone walks into the place, he, you could just tell, like he shakes the guy's hand, 
looks him directly in the eye and he's like, how you doing? Andy Elliott, hope you're having the best day of your life. What can I do for you? Can I help you with something? Are you here to somebody? Are you here to see somebody or uh, do I get the pleasure to help you today? And, and like, you're like, whoa, okay. Like this guy's, and he's jacked too. He's like 45. He's jacked. You know what I mean? He has a hot wife. He's like, you know, promoting like you should have sex with your wife once a day. I'm telling you, you know, I'm like, all right, hold on a second. Let me hear this guy out. I'm going to hear what he has to say. And um, he uh, but like you start seeing guys like that, like you start seeing dudes like, uh, you know, influencer guys come through and you're like, all right, wow, this is cool. I mean, I know I brought up Andrew Tate, obviously, but there's there's tons of other guys that are trying to it's it's an interesting thing to me because it's like they're selling you how to sell, you know, which is like, I hated that shit when I was a kid, you know, when I heard about sales and I worked in the martial arts industry since I'm, uh, I started working for Tiger Shulman's, um, here on the East coast. They're big. I'm sure you, obviously you, you know, of them. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of guys on the West coast, they're not really sure about Tiger Shulman's. They don't know what it is, you know, and it's, it's definitely a different, like if you're from the traditional jujitsu, you signed up at a jujitsu school and, you just, you know, went to an MMA school. It's definitely going to be much different than going to Tiger Shulman's because it's like a whole nother ranking system. Like it's karate. It used to be karate, but now it's mixed martial arts. And, um, you know, a lot of jujitsu guys don't like that. Those people rock black belts and, you right. know, they're like at 12 years old. That, yeah. They're like, is that guy a black belt and what, you know, but uh -huh. <clears throat> that being said, Grace, you guys know Grace Gundrum. She got her black belt at Tiger Shulman's as well. So, um, but, uh, she was a young kid and she was already, she started there, um, with one of my old instructors since AV after I had already left, like I had already been out doing my own thing, like, you know, um, and, uh, but then Grace started. So, you know, when I was younger though, I started when I was 16, I got my black belt there when I was 16 and it was karate back then. We were still breaking boards and, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, but I got my black belt 16 and he hired me, you know, since, you know, since AV hired me and I got to work for the school and thing about Tiger Shulman's is they make a lot of money. You know, they, their schools ball out. They charge way more than we do. They have contracts. We don't have contracts. And, um, you know, they do a lot of things different that we, I just didn't want to do when I became uh, a school owner, became a martial arts business owner. Um, I didn't want to do some of the business tactics that they have. I didn't really want to do contracts, although we ended up doing contracts for a while, but now we don't do them anymore. Um, there's a bunch of, and there's a bunch of things not to go into it. But um, one thing I didn't like was the sales approach that they have to signing people up like that. But now when I'm that I'm older and smarter, I see how smart that is because they train their people. It's not just like, a, you know, who knows what's going to happen type deal. Like they really do. They teach you how to sell. I'll never forget, um, you know, them telling me like, after you bring up the prices to the person on how much it is and all the different options, you shut up. You don't say anything. You just let them talk and see if they try to give you an excuse. And then when they give you an excuse, you have to try to swat that excuse down or like just, you know, get away from it like the Matrix. I can't imagine. That's why I really got into that guy, Andy Elliott, because he's a closer guy, you know, where like right. no matter what it is, no matter what objection they say you have, he's going to figure it out. Like even if the person they would tell, we would practice this shit. We would sit there with another guy, you know, that was like the manager or whatever. And you would be like, OK, and here's the options. And which one's which one works best for you? Not like, you know, hey, if you want to do it, you know, OK, like they're actually like, no, which one works best for you? And then the person would be like, 
Oh man. Um, I don't know. It's kind of expensive. And if you're like, well, yeah, it is expensive. Then you lost them, you right. know? So they would, they would be like, don't say anything. And guys couldn't figure that shit out. Cause everybody was just, you know, trying to train and kickbox and wants to fight and do all this stuff and work for the school, but you don't want to do the sales aspect of it. That part is, uh, is stupid. You know, I didn't like that when I was a kid, so I didn't want to do that. So I kind of let my business in the beginning kind of be like a free for all, which a lot of jujitsu schools are. If you go in there, like the owner is like a beast usually, but probably has zero clue on what he's doing. Most of the guys aren't educated in college. You know, uh, I got my college degree. Not that it matters. I don't use it and still owe school loans. Um, but <laughs> a lot of guys have no, yeah, a lot of guys have no idea. I, I've been in business now on my own. Like I've worked in the business almost my whole, since I'm 16 and on and off owning a school or working for one or training at a place and then helping out or whatever the situation is, seeing Matt, a lot of schools go under that I was a part of. <clears throat> uh, and uh, I just couldn't believe you know, how going around traveling, doing to all these jujitsu schools, I could not believe how bad some of them were just the small things, you know, that people weren't doing. And I was like, man, that's, you know, I learned that from Tiger Shulman's or I learned that from just be in general, you know, just being in the game. And uh, I couldn't believe how bad it was. And then a friend of mine, um, because I, I not to not to mess that up, but the last point I'll say on that is a lot of guys um, they don't know that they could be making more money, and there there might be a guy who's not as good as a martial artist or doesn't have the accolades, but his school has five hundred students, and you're like, what? Like how could how come everyone doesn't want to you know? Or why do all these people train at this place? How does you know? No disrespect to Tiger Showman's, but as a martial arts school, you would almost imagine how could they charge more than us, and um, have contracts and, you know, it's not a, a traditional jujitsu school. And you're like, you know, they do because of the way they keep people, the way they promote people, the way they, they do all the things, the little things that a lot of jujitsu school owner guys won't do. They'll do the corny stuff. They'll do the sales shit. They'll do the promoting properly. And a lot of guys, they don't even promote themselves. I know guys that are animal jujitsu guys and they have no idea how to promote themselves. They make zero dollars, you know, competing isn't a a uh like you yeah, can't you're not gonna make, you're not make a living off of the, the competition circuit as it stands at the moment and that's another mm -hmm. piece that i think that you've done a fantastic job at is the branding of your athletes first off and of <laughs> finishers in general i mean i got the shirt on right here it's, nice. it's like your branding has been on point your instagram is always popped it's like you're always doing some cool shit and it's usually fun it's fun. It's not yeah, yeah. it's not like a hey, come to my class, you can learn martial arts and self defense and it's fun. Like you do like almost like a WWF style, um, where it's more of a it's an event. It's a it's something that you want to take pictures with, it's something that you want to take videos with, especially yeah. at your new spot. Um and that hasn't always been the case, obviously. Like you don't you don't roll into a I don't know if it's 15,000 square feet or wherever the hell big your, your place is now. But like, yeah. I think your branding has been something that has set you apart from really everybody else. I'm curious, is it, it what is the inspiration behind that piece of it? Your branding style. Um, <clears throat> so I think, um, uh, I got lucky with a bunch of things. I mean, I think that's kind of how it goes, but if you keep getting lucky, 
you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if I'm getting lucky or we know what yeah, we're doing. Maybe I'm getting good, you know, some, yeah. at some point it's like, I'm getting kind of good at this. Yeah. And, um, not, not to go back, but, um, just to finish up the last thought, the reason why I got into the business coaching yeah. part of it is because I saw there was kind of like a hole there. And like, I'm not Mr. Foresight where I saw ahead that, you know, not, I, I did see that not a lot of guys in the martial arts industry are doing business coaching. And, um, I'm not really exactly sure how to do it, but I did get inspired and pushed to do it. Um, from one of my friends, I got to shout them out before I forget, uh, Bill and Sheila. And, um, they live out in California, Bill, my friend, uh, Bill Roosh, he's been a friend of mine since high school. I got him into martial arts. He just so happens to live in California, 15 minutes from John Jock's school. So I'm like, bro, you got to train at John Jock's. I'm like, he's been training all over the place. He's a purple belt out there. He started at a 10th planet, you know, because obviously I got him into it. And he's been like one of the biggest mouthpieces um, for jujitsu just because he saw how good it is. Now, both of his sons, he has three sons. Two of them are in training right now at a Gracie Barra and they're killing it. They're animals. One of them is like a guard player, likes arm bars. Uh, his younger son's like a, just an animal, just take downs and smashing people. So it's so cool to see. And his wife, um, she and I met her back in the day and she wasn't well off or anything. She didn't like have a bunch of money to invest in things and get lucky with investment. She started all of her own stuff. And um, she, like me, started her own small business uh, called Sheila Bella Permanent Makeup. And I don't know what if it was uh, if that was the name of the um whatever they called the brick and mortar place that she had, mm-hmm. but she's doing permanent makeup and all that stuff. And she eventually had a couple of them, if I'm not mistaken. And then what really started pushing her to the next level is doing the social media stuff, her great branding. And then she has a background to back it up in the industry. And she started business coaching people and doing summits and having these people learn from her. And a lot of the stuff is like, you, you know, you can't pay for it. Like you can't, I mean, you can, but like you can't just be like, all right, let me get, you know, all these different things. You need to like put in the time and effort and you still need to have the background in it. But once you do and you realize you do and you feel like you could really help somebody with something, I think that's the next step for a lot of people is they're like, OK, let me just see if I can dip my waters in the business coaching thing. And I've been doing it with a couple of guys, just kind of helping them out, not charging them a lot, just kind of seeing where I'm at because everybody's always like, you got to charge more or whatever, because this stuff is you know worth so much money. But um, I just want to see how I can help people get some testimonials first, and then I'm really going to, you know, put out a whole thing. Right now, I have a free course on my um, uh, teachable thing. I don't even know what the address to it is, but if you go on my Instagram and click the link in the bio, you can find it through there. Um, but the, as for the branding stuff, man, that um, I, I everything just kind of fell into place. Obviously, like I'm wearing a 10 Planet Bethlehem shirt. I mean, Eddie has done the same thing. That's where I did learn a lot of stuff from him because – um, you know, he was the man at it back in the day. I mean, everybody wanted to know, you know, about 10 planet, the, all the gear always sold out. I remember going to buy the gear. You never could get it. You're like, man, I can't, I had to buy a brown belt shirt. And then people gave me shit. Cause they're like, you're not a brown belt. Take that shirt off. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I just bought the shirt. You know, I, know, I was like, I just wanted to have a 10 planet I shirt. Got, the very first Rashi I got, it was actually a phalanx giveaway and mm-hmm. it was a purple one. And I wore it one day and some dude was like, bro, like you're a white belt. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, what do you mean? What am I doing? He's like, that's for purple belts. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I'm not allowed yeah. to wear it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Eddie questioned me on it because I bought the shirt off his website. <clears throat> and then when I competed in um, the first time, the way I, one of the ways I met Eddie Bravo is uh, I competed in a um, East coast 10th planet summit 
for like all the, the East Coast guys. They had Lewis Ho, Chris Herzog from 10 Planet Rochester. Um, I forget who else was there, or a bunch of guys. And all the different 10 planets came together. Now, granted, we weren't a 10 planet. It was just them. And I, I was trying to do MMA at the time. I wanted to open up my own school here. And I was like, I'm going to teach. I'm not going to do gi. I don't do gi. I already I came from Tiger Shulman's. We never rolled in gis. You know, we we did um, just no gi. It was T-shirts and gi pants. Actually, you wear over there. You would Now it's a rash guard, but you wear a rash guard and gi pants. That looked like Eddie Bravo. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy's kind of doing stuff that would work perfect for me, probably. And I was pretty flexible. So, um, But when I went to that tournament, I had already had MMA, MMA fights, and I've done a bunch of grappling tournaments at the time. And I had, you know, mild success, but I did, you know, get in the expert division and stuff. At a, I was probably... And there wasn't as many guys, obviously, and the level wasn't even as close to it as now, but I still made it. I was 18 or 19. I was competing in the Grappler's Quest Naga Expert Division. And um, so I was doing pretty good. Like I never won. Uh, eventually I won one, but at first I was just getting like one, I would win one, then I would get smoked, you know, and then like, I'd go with someone who really trained at a jujitsu school, like nonstop. And like, I remember I lost to Mike Fowler. I like had some really crazy matches back in the day when I was a kid. And then uh, when I went up to that summit, I wore that shirt. I bought that 10 Planet shirt off online. So I, I decided to, you know, I want to learn more about jujitsu. Eddie Bravo's coming to Rochester. I'm going to go there. So I went up there. They needed an extra guy for the tournament. I jumped in the tournament. I wore that shirt. And afterwards, he's like, I ended up getting second place. And I did really good. And, and um, I tapped some, some of the guys out that were purple belts and stuff. So people you know, guys were like, oh, who is this guy? Like, what belt are you, man? And they were like, he said to me, like, are you a brown belt? And I'm like, no, why do you think that? And he's like, oh, because you're wearing a shirt. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was a um, a brown belt shirt. I'm like, I'm actually, he's like, well, what belt are you? I'm like, I'm actually a white belt. He's like, you're a white belt? He's like, that doesn't <laughs> make sense. How are you a white belt? I was like, oh, I trained at Tiger Shulman's, but I really wasn't. I got my second degree black belt at Tiger Shulman's. So I had to do grappling and you know, I was already doing it. So it's not like I was a white belt. You know, it's not like one of those YouTube catchy things where like white belt taps out, good, you know, black belt or whatever. Yeah. It's not how it was. I was already training. Like a lot of the guys there at uh, Tiger Shulman's are really good. Like I've been training with um, uh, back in the day, Nick Pace. I mean, he's choking guys out. with. I mean, those guys, there might be like in jujitsu, they never got ranked. But I mean, obviously, you know, Nick Pace, he's he's rolled against plenty black belts. He's tapped guys out in UFC. Um so I'm actually training, uh, not training, but uh, every now and then um, Mike Trezano comes down to the school. He's in UFC. He's the ultimate fighter winner. I did some commentating MMA fights with him back in the day. So it's cool. And that was that was the other thing, long-winded story, but I've learned a lot from Tiger Showman's branding as well. Like everything has their logo on it, has a tiger, you know, so they did a really good job with like branding their personal stuff. As for the finishers, so I took all that kind of stuff that I learned from all those guys. But as for the finishers, um, my friend, uh, if you've ever heard of Lanky Fightwear um, or Fight Gear, it's called Lanky okay. and um, LankyFG.com. So he he runs a gi, it, he sells keys, he sells rash guards and stuff. He sponsors a bunch of people. And um, he is a f old friend of mine. His name is John Robinson. He actually made that logo. Like he made that finishers F and just sent it to me one time. And I was like, yo, this this could be the logo. And it was before, you know, I had a school or anything like that. Um, so and then once I got that, then I realized and people kept telling me like, oh, you guys got a good thing. It's different. It's not like everybody kind of chooses the same kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. Finishers MMA sounds different, you know, and then we just 
kept building it up. And, and now I have, uh, for getting lucky, now I have some people that I uh, work with that are really awesome. Like the designers that we use for a lot of this stuff. Um, shout out to a Sean, uh, he's our, uh, web guy and he does pretty much everything, but he's not just a web guy. He does social media for us. He does, uh, our logos. He makes all the, you know, uh, tournament graphics of the people and he's fast as hell. He's a, he's a beast. Check him out online or on Instagram. He does a lot of tournament stuff. He does like, a, if you look at his page, you can see he does like Tom the Blast stuff. He does stuff for Gordon Ryan. He does stuff for a couple other different tournaments out there. And really, I think that thing, that is a situation where um, a lot of guys in business won't give up the reins to anything that they have. They always want to be in total control of it. And then things either take forever or never get done. This guy, even though he doesn't train jujitsu, he really understands the game. And to his credit, I can just let him brainstorm. We were just having this conversation the other day. Like anytime I have something else to do, like opening up a new school or whatever, he's right away like, yo, check this out. Hey, how about this for the logo? You know, like now he's using that logo that my friend came up with years ago and like changing it up and, you know, changing the colors and like everything is kind of designed the same. And it, that a lot of people tell us like, oh, it looks clean or your stuff is smooth. Well, it's mostly him. You know, he kills it for everything. Um, so it's like letting someone do work for you and you got to pay him. Obviously he's not cheap. It's not cheap, but it's a great investment. I look at that like as advertising, you know, even now I'm writing a business plan for a new school that I want to open. And, um, I, I work with these local, um, like uh, small business associations. Like there's a college out here in Lehigh and it's a great tip. Here's a business tip for you guys. Uh, this, wherever you are, if you just search small business association and whatever county township college or whatever that you'll find one. And I use these all the time because it's free and they'll connect you with a guy. Now I'm, this guy's retired and he's a teacher at Lehigh. But one of the things he has to do is he has to help future business owners get information on opening businesses, writing business plans, finding grants, finding loans, getting the proper permits. So I've been working with this guy. He's like in his fifties and I just do a zoom conference with him like this every now and then. And he helps me write the business plan and stuff. Cause I don't know. I have no idea how to do this stuff. Like it's, it's in depth. Like you can't just get a loan. You have to do all these different things. And if you, even if you, sometimes you could still get things done without this kind of stuff, but if you do it, it just makes the process so much easier and you learn about it. You know, well, and um, you get and you get funds to make it happen. You don't have to come out of your own pocket all the time mm -hmm. to start this business. And I think that that's something that holds a lot of people back. because They're like, man, I don't got any money. I, but if you have a good so idea what? and you have a good yeah. plan, people will give you money. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I keep hearing these business guys too, being like, um, don't spend your own money, like leverage credit, you know, all, all of them. You know, all the top guys will say that, like, you know, they're, they're a lot of them are credited to the max with a lot of shit. But how else were they going to get, you know, a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars? Like, you, if you save up for that, you'll never have it. Ever. You know? Yeah, and yeah. it'll, it'll so, take forever. And it's something that you brought up too that I think a lot of people don't understand or are very hesitant, just as you alluded to, is to give up the reins to a sub, a couple pieces of the puzzle to make this whole thing go round. And yeah. having everything flow through you all the time and approvals and all this stuff. It's just like, it slows down the process and you become a bottleneck in your business. It's like being able to allow others the freedom to create, like 
like your guy Sean, how he's been able to create in your ecosystem using your stuff and using your brand assets, I think is one of those things that a lot of people don't want to give up the reins to. They're like, oh, I'll do it all on my own. And something else you said, you got to pay these people. Like, yeah, just don't expect everybody to do stuff for free, but it's money that's going to make you money afterwards for sure. Exactly. Yeah. If we didn't have him, I would be screwed. I don't know how I would do any of this stuff. The summit, the tournament, all of it. I would before when I was doing it with other guys, like piecemealing it together, I would be laying on guys like, yo, man, get this shit done. Yo, where is it? And it just not getting done. And I had to can all those old dudes, you know, guys in the jujitsu industry, you know, obviously I'm not going to name names, but sure. they're just sl slow as hell. And, you know, they're moving at a snail's pace where I'm trying to get things. Think about this. We run a finishers tournament, like where there's at least 30, almost 30 matches every event. And we run of those one per month, nine months out of the year. We did that with flow grappling. Um, and he was like, are you, you know, they were like, are you sure you can do it? I'm like, dude, we got the gas. Let's go, bro. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do this shit. I'm not sitting around waiting. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I'm all about trying to strike while the iron's hot too. Like, I know we got a good thing going as long as we don't totally pimp it out. You know, I feel like we're running a good thing. It's a I feel like finishers, the tournament anyways, has become a league. You know, where like every month there's something going down. So people come to expect like, hey, what's going on? Now, we just did the Zach Edwards one, like it said in the intro. Um, we, we had two very close to one another. But, um, you know, that was like 60 matches in like three weeks. You know, 30 on one, 30 on another. We're giving away money at some. We have champions now in every division. Um, I have a, a crew of guys like, you know, uh, I got Sid, Tavalaro, Lara, Ken, um, obviously Thor, uh, Andrew Jones, like um, – you know, I got takedown Brown, Jimmy Van Osdo. I got a whole bunch of our guys now that are working for the tournament, basically. Yep. And and like I'm expanding to these other things, and I'm like, there's no way. I mean, granted, these things are are like um, you know, it takes a lot to get it done. Like you can't just have one person doing it. I always see guys start off in tournaments, and you, I'm sure you've seen a lot of them where they start off and then they just because someone's working a full-time job and running a school and trying to, it's impossible. I'd never be able to do it. You know, I, and I, and that without having any type of life where like I have a family and stuff, I want to be able to just shut down sometimes and chill with them. And these guys really pick up the slack and they're doing a great job. And I don't want to say they think like me, but they're like on the same wavelength, you know what I mean? Where it's Absolutely. like, oh yeah, that would be stupid if we did that. Like they kind of get it, you know, they would be like, oh, we're not going to do that. Or, or we just have these chat groups where we just communicate. And that's pretty much number one. Like you got to be talking to each, each other or you're going to double the work and do things that are unnecessary. Yeah. Having that plan and set out and have clearing clear expectations of what, what the hell you even want to do in these tournaments. And I think it's absolutely insane that you run a monthly tournament, something else too, yeah. that, you, that you, uh, you put on your IG and I wanted to ask you about it today, the world submission only Alliance. What is this? Yeah. What's it about? Because I see a couple of the different, like I saw Sapatero on there. I saw your finishers Midwest on there. So like, what is that? So uh, it's it's actually just a thing that I came up with. Um, and it's not like, again, like it's not that it's not a new idea. It's just um, repurposed. And a lot of my ideas come like that. Like uh, I know you brought up the pro wrestling aspect of it. Like I love pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. I like um, hip hop music. I like rap. So like and I like reggae and stuff, too. But the interesting thing about pro wrestling and, and hip hop or rap or whatever is uh, they have a long history. 
And now they both, you know, there are some good rappers and wrestling kind of sucks, but it's still the nostalgia of knowing about it is cool. But when you go back, like look at all these the A&E, um, Vice, they all have documentaries and it's just nonstop. Now that I just watched one last night, a documentary on Doink the Clown and how cool that shit was. And like I, Doink wasn't even, there's like a whole story behind Doink. I didn't even care about him back in the day. I thought it was a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like there, there's all these different stories. I mean, there's Ric Flair, there's, you know, Mr. Perfect. They did one they got a, you know, they did another one on um, Tammy Sitch or whatever her name is, Sunny. She was back in the day. And I remember that was huge, man. People loved her. That was nuts. That was right when like they were just starting to show like hot women in wrestling, like in b bikinis and stuff like that. Before they were like, you know, they would always, there was always good looking women, but they didn't like put them on the forefront, like in the mm -hmm. attitude era, like when she came out. Um, but I always remember like, there's so many different things about both of those things and sports too, like, and professional sports. I love 90 sports, like, you know, Michael Jordan and, uh, you know, b uh, baseball from back in the day was so awesome, you know, with McGuire and all these guys, like the sports and, and football too, Bo Jackson and the nineties, everything. And like eighties and stuff was the best time for everything, wrestling, sports, music as well you know late or early 2000s too there was a lot of good rap with like eminem and dr dre and stuff but there's always and not to give away my whole scheme here but there's <laughs> always so many things in and i really like those things so you got to like them to know but in those things there's so many ideas and things to to steal to use in business or if you're running like a creative thing where i feel like being in martial arts is creative like obviously the jiu-jitsu's got to be good and people are going to respect us because, you know, we, our team goes out there and puts it on a line as well. It's not like we're just a bunch of social media guys. Cause there are those guys too. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, their social media is killing it. Like I only got like 10,000 followers or something and nobody guys have 50,000 followers. And I'm like, dude, that guy, and you don't want to talk shit on him, but you're like, that guy is, um, you know, he doesn't train, he doesn't compete. He doesn't, you know what I mean? You're like, wow. So like, then I start getting my ego comes in where I'm just like, yo, what's up with this guy? Like, how is he? You know what I mean? But he's figure out the algorithm, which is fine. That's his hustle. I got to learn to respect it and not get mad. But, um, you know, like taking all those things, like all those different things from back in the day and throwing it in there definitely helps being the the creative aspect of it with the tournament that's easy like i'm like okay let's make it more pro wrestling as opposed to because everyone's so serious i mean yeah. ours is serious too there's high level matches you know but if we kind of put some fun into it and if you notice too another thing another big thing with being the having the creative thing is i don't know anything about video shit and i don't know anything about um uh photography and like i'm not even going to try like i'm not going to be like it's so far beyond the point where like maybe 20 years ago i could have picked up the camera and like okay let me learn some stuff but not, and like editing and all that i'm like i'm out i'm just going to let the professional guy do it but i need to find the right people so we got sure. juliana fonseca jill jitsu on uh, instagram and then we got uh quentin 610 quentin fernandez he's our um like in-house videographer um photographers that's where you'll see a lot of his stuff is on the finisher sub only all of our instagrams it's like all his photos i got like a dropbox a mile long full of just you know he's we were paying him to come in every wednesday night now he hits he, he's at every tournament he's coming in tonight to do some stuff for me he did that one a lot of people i'm sure saw that one uh the um one finishers instagram or uh, intro with the car with the toyota super pulled up out front of the dojo oh yeah and we got out of the car with the money in the bank things. Again, that's with stolen from WWE. 
Yeah, yeah. My so we got big. Uh, we call him King Ryan, or he calls himself King Ryan. So I started calling him that. But uh, his name's Ryan Roth, and he has a Supra, and he's been telling me for for probably two years now, like, yo, we got to put the Supra in a video. I'm like, all right, Quentin, come down. You come down, and all I do is tell Q, like, all I tell him is like, hey man, I want to like have us pull up in this car, I guess. Uh, and I want to get, maybe we'll get the briefcases out and then walk in. That's all we need. We don't have to say anything or whatever. And he's like, all right, check it. And he's like, all right, go this way. And he was like stopping traffic and we're like filming and it's fun. We're dressed up like a bunch of idiots, but uh-huh. people remember that kind of stuff. And then if they look into us at all and they take any of the, they'll realize that we're not just a bunch of jokers. Like it's, it's good. The product is good as well. That's why we can fool around. Cause it's not just a whole big fool around. Like, yep. That's the fun part of it, but you got to be able to do all the other stuff. Like we don't just come in and be like, all right, what videos can we film to try to get popular? You know what I mean? Like, but then we'll take out, like, I'll take ideas like that. And those money in the bank things, those are, we, we hung those up. Like it was a ladder match. And then Enrique Galarza won that Layla Watkins. Those are two written. That's what I wanted the tournament to be too. I wanted to be for like up and comers. You know, I wanted to be for like people who are just getting into the game that can you can get a crack at a high level guy and then some high level guys still want to be the champion because they know that obviously there's money to be made there and then also if you're one of the finisher champs you might get pulled up to another tournament you know and you might go hey i want to like uh, max hansen right now is our 55 and 70 pound champ and he's also 55 and 75 pound or 70 champ i think if that's the weights i don't even know um of sapaterio as well right because he brought them up so he went to the midwest finishers tournament won that as well so not because of max but it one of the reasons for sure that even um tells me to do it even more but i started thinking to myself like how can i get all these tournaments together because there's a, a grouping of tournaments on flow grappling and then there's a grouping of tournaments on UFC fight pass, but those are kind of the bigger, you know, tournaments. They're not the really smaller ones. And then there's a whole bunch of them. that are just on YouTube fight TV, right. um, you know, whatever streaming service. I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. Cause people are like, well, you know, and it's funny because everyone gets into these little groups where like, if you stream on flow, we're not going to promote any of these other tournaments. Or if you're on this one, it's whatever. And I'm like, look, First of all, no one can ever figure out how to watch these things because no one knows where they're streamed. Maybe a lot of people might know about the finishers because I always call it like we're like the underground. You got to win finishers like first. And then I want it to be like this anyways. I hope people are going to say. And then after that, you might go up to the next, you know, the next high level. Like Alex Enriquez won our championship. She won the tournament and then she got a match on who's number one. Now, it's not because of that, but they definitely see her out there working. She's winning matches beating she beat my student grace um she beat a bunch of good people and then all of a sudden boom she's moved up you know grace was already on who's number one but hey now they give alex a shot and uh that that's what i want to do i want to keep but and since it's once a month keeps the league going so i started looking at all these other tournaments i'm like how can we get us together like where everybody kind of works together to promote each other or at least there's one hub that kind of promotes all the tournaments and then my end goal of it all is to have a website, which Ashan is working on right now, um, a website where you can go on there, link it through the Instagram because that's the easiest way. So you click on it. Obviously, we're going to be posting stuff on the Instagram all the time and putting all the tournaments that are involved with us. Um, that's that's the first thing is to spend the first couple months just kind of announcing all the tournaments that are going to be under one like I just called it the WSOA because I was trying to think of like an old WW uh, or an old pro wrestling, the WWE bought all the other ones, but it used to be like, you had to be the champ of the Midwest region 
And then you went up and you had to win. Canada had their own wrestlers, but they didn't like, because of the way cable TV was, you couldn't just watch them all. You could only watch, like, if you lived in Mississippi, you're only going to see whatever the oh, local like wrestling blackout is. dates or, or blackouts of, of some sort. Yeah, they didn't want, well, people didn't even know. Like, people had to oh. find out about Ric Flair because he had to go to all the different, like, in the 70s and stuff. And then you didn't know about all these other guys. Like, it was only once cable opened up where you could get a freaking million channels or have more than, you know, the local ones where pro wrestling was on. So then Vince McMahon's, you know, started buying up all these different areas. So I'm not buying up the areas, but I'm trying to put those areas on where it's connected because there's tons of people who probably commit or uh, compete locally, but they don't even know how to get on one of these other shows. You know, how do they get on? You know, there's a thing called Jiu-Jitsu Championship. There's a thing called, there's another thing in Japan. There's a thing in Kuwait, friends of mine that I met. And they just kind of like ask me for ideas about, you know, hey, you have a successful tournament. Uh, how can I do this. And I'm like, man, we should just all work together. And I tried a couple of chat groups and, you know, me and Josh from Sapaterio, we've worked together on stuff. We plan on working together in the future. I'm like, why don't we just put them all together? You know? And then we have Omar out in uh, Lombard, Illinois. He's doing the 10, um, he's 10 planet Lombard, but they do the Midwest finishers. And I'm like, we should just put them all together. So the end goal one, and it, people are calling it the Avengers, you know, like the Avengers of sub only. Like we're just going to put all the local tournaments together, the big tournaments. I still got to ask Eddie if I could put EBI on. I'm sure he's not going to care. But, and it's not like about anything. It's just you go on there and you could see like, hey, what, what, I want to get up to the highest level of Nogi competition, sub only jujitsu. How do I get there? Easy. Here's a path now. Win all of these tournaments. Go to every tournament and win them. You know, Keith Krikorian, back in the day, he did that shit. He came to the finishers, he won. Then he went to Sogi, he won. He went to Sapaterio. He went to every every tournament that showed up that was like, hey, 1500 bucks, hey, five grand, 2500 He was just going around collecting. He might have won like a hundred grand one year. Now, obviously, he probably spent 60 grand on traveling and shit because you usually <laughs> have to pay for yourself. But I mean, he was doing that. So I wanted to have something that put us all together, kind of like not a governing body, but like some way to just, hey, here's the tournament. Here's how to get in touch with the guy who runs the tournament. So it's going to help athletes out. And then I would like to have a database where you could go on there and register yourself as like available. So that way, like, let's say you need like for finisher, let's say we want to put on a 125 pound purple belt and we need a female 125 pound purple belt. And, you know, we got to post on our Instagram. That's the only place, maybe Facebook, no one cares. But if you put it up on the site and you're registered on there, I might be able to roll down there, you know, and find a 125 pound female purple belt. Oh, she's in Florida. Hey, that's not that far. Maybe we'll throw her 150 bucks to make the trip because that's about how much a flight costs. And if you could figure out your own stay and then that way I could say, hey, I, you know, these girls fight each other all the time in this area. Right. So let's figure out how to get them to fight other people. Let's bring in people from other other states and stuff. And we have a, if we have a budget for it, fine. I can just roll through and be like, oh, sweet. There's this person. Boom. Call them up. You know what I mean? Or hit them right on Instagram. So it just I'm trying to bring them all together. I think it will help um, all of us in the long run. And um, yeah, I think that's the that's the bottom line. Yo, well, you're absolutely right. Being able to have a place where everybody just goes to. Uh, sort of like a smooth comp where every everything's on there. You go in, right. you create your your profile. Um, you're creating a situation for just more of a higher level. And I heard you one time you talked about your whole. This is whenever you were just starting to move into your new spot, and you said you wanted to create more of like a farm club, like a farm league to to filter up. 
you don't yeah. necessarily want to be um you know the the major leagues for example but you want to be able to have a bunch of farm clubs that filter things up um exactly. to those other places is that is that still like your mindset yeah, for sure. Like, cause th think about this, like, um, like Bellator and you know, all these other, now Bellator is doing good and they, they got a lot of money behind them, but all these tournaments or all these things come up and let's say there's one real big dog or like two or three big dogs on the, on the, you know, the block, you immediately come in wanting to like, you know, that take this approach where like, I'm just going to go swing on the biggest guy, which is sometimes smart. But in a lot of industries, unless you have an unlimited amount of money supply, if you go swing on the biggest dog, he might hit you back and then you're bankrupt. You know what I mean? So it's like, to me, I'm like, all right, why don't I, instead of trying to fight against you know, who's number one or fight against EBI or, or be like, we're the next best thing since it, the net, anytime I hear a guy say that, like, we're changing the game, like, dude, you're going to go out of business, bro. You know what I mean? Don't try to go against the biggest guy in the in the park right away. Let's work our way up to that. You know, if that's what you want to do, you got to work your way up. Or you could just be happy with where you're at. And I'm totally content with being a, a great league that people respect. We do a, a good service for the younger people coming up. Um, we still are able to make money. Uh, a lot of people get paid for running the event. It's it's not free, you know, so like we do we're with flow. So we do have a good budget and we do have, uh, you know, we make money through gear and all this other stuff that we sell too. And, you know, everybody gets paid. Everyone loves doing it because the athletes want to compete. They want to use the pictures and the video to promote themselves. The photographers and videographers want to get paid once a month, you know, 500 bucks, whatever we pay them to get it going, you know, the live stream gets to go again, the refs get to work again. Um, you know, the school is going to charge money to get in, like everybody's working and no one's complaining because it's not a rip off and it's all for the greater. Everybody gets built up from this. You know, if you lose, so what you just come back next month, do another one. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not a big deal, but the point is it keeps going. And then I see the guys respect. It's cool that the guys respect it because I'll see people use the photography, you know, in their profile picture, or if, if guys win the championship, they'll like promote that, like finishers, middleweight champion or whatever. And, and that's a great thing for me. It, it makes me feel good that we're, we're doing it good. Every time I feel like not doing it. Cause I remember telling people back in the day too, where like, I wasn't going to shut it down, but I was only doing one every three, four months. It wasn't streamed on flow. We were just doing YouTube. And I was like, I don't want to put that much effort into it, man. It's just like a side hustle, you know, but now it's become like a legit thing where it's like a nonstop you know, and we worked our way up to it. Even when I tried to shut it down, people would be like, yo, when's the next tournament? Yo, put me on, you know, I'll fight anybody. I'm like, all right, well, got to have another one then, I guess, you know? Yeah, there's so a, even there's a demand for it. I know that 100%. Like, the super fights are the way to go anymore. Like, you win it, and not I'm not going to dog on other tournaments, but, like, you win at these other tournaments, and everybody's like, yeah, but have you done finishers? Have you done any of these super fights? And it's like, super fights are the shit now. And, like, that's... yeah. And whenever you get it on video, um, if it's it's if it's uh, streamed somewhere, that's even better. That's just like the the word on the street is that's the shit. Like that's what you want to be into. That's what you want to be doing. And now that you have almost like this circuit that people can go and travel around to, have a hub to to just even. I think what you just said there too is whenever you have. Like if you're an athlete looking to come up and you you just want to fight whoever and being in that rolodex of people to call on. You yeah. give me a flight. That's that's insane. Yeah, that and and what other way to connect with people like that? Instagram's tough. You're just going back and forth, back and forth. I mean, or you don't even know. Yeah, how would you even know that guy's out there? 
Or how would that guy even know that your Hard. tournament's around? Yeah, he could at least put in. And then, hey, you could just easily just, hey, click the guy, boom, brings him right up. Hey, man, I got a match, you know, two months from now, you know, a month from now, whatever. You know, next week, we need a late replacement, whatever. You just throw the guy right in. And I feel like now, more than ever, there's an actual path to get to how am I going to get to ADCC? Look what they're doing. Same same thing. Move the open all over the place. Give people opportunity to jump in there and compete. Um, I also never forget Keith. Actually, Keith Krikorian. I'm pretty sure he said this to me, or I just took the example from him. Is uh, or no? I, I'm actually I'm pretty sure he did say this, but uh, he said like when you're a wrestler, when you wrestle in high school, college, you almost wrestle every weekend. Like every weekend, there's a meet. Every weekend, there's another, and you go out there and you get one or two matches or whatever. And um, that's how those guys could get get such high level. They get mad reps and they get used to doing it on the big stage. That's what you want. You want to get all that out when you're younger and you want to be able to compete as much as possible without getting injured. So if you could just show up once a month and get a rep in and then on top of that, now there's all these other tournaments locally out here too that you can do. You could just probably compete everywhere. I mean, some of the people, the girls that are purple belts, I, I always bring that up because um, they compete every week almost every weekend they're in another tournament. And if I ever hit them up like, yo, hey, I got a match for you. And they'll either they'll either say yes or they'll go, oh, I got another tournament that day. And sometimes they compete in a tournament in the morning and then Come compete back. one at night. You know, so people are getting reps in more than ever. And these kind of tournaments are, are a great thing. You know, it's just going to keep bringing everybody up. The level is going to get up. People are figuring shit out very fast, you know, and they're like everyone's working together and like, oh, they're figuring out the rules and it's just really cool, man. Like, and I don't bag on any tournament. I feel like there's enough money. There's enough people out there. You just got to put on a good show and people will show up. Well, and that's the thing too, is now that jujitsu seems to be gaining some real momentum in just in, in the world in general, um, we're seeing a lot more competitors at tournaments. You're seeing a lot more demand for those higher level tournaments. There's a path to actually make some dough doing this. Um, yep. there's a, there's a path to be professional at this now. But now that you guys, like you yourself, have have laid the groundwork for doing tournaments that for forever, not making anything, but now are in a situation where you can, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I remember what kind of the pain point was, and maybe it's just a little bit of stipend to get to where you need to go to get to that next tournament, and and now you're creating those and and having this coalition or, or alliance, as you will, I mean. I, it's only up from here. Like you put on a yeah. good show, you you're teaching people how to run this business. Um, I mean, what what what's next? What do you have next? Um, for me, I think I'm gonna open up. Uh, I want to open up a couple more dojos. I think that's the next step. And I was thinking about like different kind of businesses to get into, and like what to like you know try to invest in or like get you know how to how to how to make more money really. And um, I just keep coming back to do what you're good at, you know, and I know how to run the martial arts business. So why not open up more schools? And some guys are like, oh, man, you're going to open up more schools. You're going to spread yourself too thin or whatever. But if I train the right people, you know, and I'm able to do it, like I, I think we really can. I think guys now more than ever see someone like me or like some of the other guys who have opened up schools and they go, oh, there is a path for me here. I can do this and actually make money. Cause I tell everybody like that once they get in, they start competing. People have a lot of success, but I always give them the talk. Like, especially like even Renee, um, you know, I've known Renee since he's a, you know, a teenager. 
And uh, now he's killing it on the scene, you know, big wins. He's got a big matchup coming up soon. Uh, they're going to announce eventually. And, um, uh, you know, I tell him, like, competing is good, but obviously you see you can't really make a living out of it. Even if he beats everybody and keeps going, it's going to be very difficult. You know, you could be that one percenter and make a living competing, but it takes one injury and then your money stream is out the box and you can't have that. You know, especially if you're going to eventually have a family and a house and actually give a shit in in the future. So I tell everybody, you're going to have to open up a school, you know, so just get that in your mind. Now you need to own a you need to own a dojo eventually, you know, and I think that's the best bet. Even if you do become a millionaire competing, why wouldn't you want to have the dojo on the side? You got the name, you got the experience, you can put the right people in place to teach there. And, you know, they're going to um, hopefully do a good job. And that's kind of what I'm looking at now, like. I'm like, okay, so I live about 40 minutes from Bethlehem or uh, about 30 minutes from Bethlehem. I moved up to the woods a little bit. And then I live about 24 minutes to Stroudsburg, um, Bartonsville or like Mount Pocono. Uh, it's close to Jersey in New York. It's not that far. You can get right on the highway there, 78 or 33. And I found a location out there. Now there's some hoopla back and forth with, you know, you have to go through the township and all this other stuff and make sure that they have the inspections and all that crap. But um, I'm looking to try to open up that school by September and I'll just call that finishers North. And um, yeah. And then I have a couple of guys up there that are willing to teach for me. I'll probably spend two days a week there for now, get that place up and running. And then I have another two locations that I will not divulge yet that I'm going to try to go to next, you know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily me, you know, doing it, but um, you know, the other guys, I just, they got to step up if they want to do this for a living, then cool. If not, you want to go get a job, a job, that's fine too. You know, but um, I want to make, you know, I want to make more money and I feel like the way um, I'm going to do that is by owning more businesses, you know, and they got to be successful. And I think we got to get the right people, but it's more than possible. I mean, we did this one. I can't believe what we got going here, you know, and I got a lot of people helping me here and now Allentown is killing it, you know? So there's no reason why we can't have another one. There's too, so many people. There's so many people. You, if you can get 100 students, you're making money, you know, as long as you keep your expenses low. And I, uh, not, that's another thing that people do. They just want to go in, balls out right away. You get some monster-ass space. Spend a million dollars and never be able to pay your loan back or whatever the situation is. So, um, But that, I think it, that's, a, that's a societal problem that people just always want to go for. Same thing. I'm going to go take on UFC right now. I'm going to be bigger. We're going to be bigger than UFC. It's like, no, you're not, dude. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Well, Don't do that. I, liked, I, I really do like your approach where you, you just you start these stepping stones. I mean, you almost gave up this, this whole entire thing uh, with, with the tournaments because maybe you just weren't feeling it. But it's like when people are starting to drive you to do things like that you see the demand that's there and you're obviously seeing it at your place where there's so much demand for what you're putting on you there's there's obviously a place for these people to go and and exercise what they're good at and I, yeah now that you've built the thing that you've built being able to expand it and kind of train the trainer type of mentality it I can just see all the parallels from the Tiger Shulman modality and all of those things like really come into fruition. And I think that a lot of people in the jujitsu community look down on expanding like that. And they, they like feel like it's a sellout of some sort. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you see that? Or do you hear that as well? Like people hating on you at all or, or people more like, yeah, keep going. 
Um, I think it's, it's a weird, uh, it's a little bit of a weird mix. I mean, the, like, so I get a ton of support. I don't really have that many haters online, like personally, Good. really, but I do see that, um, people will be like, oh man, like just, just, uh, you know, like on different threads and stuff. I know that people will bust on, you know, there being a million 10 planets or there being like a Gracie Barra is one they pick on big time because there's so many affiliates and stuff like that. And it is like, you know, I could see where people could say that they could be like, oh man, you're just, you're, you're, um, uh, like expanding it too much or you're kind of pimping it out too much or whatever. And you don't want people to get tired of it. You definitely don't want that. But, and I, as long as I, I feel in my heart that I'm not um, like just doing it just for the money. I mean, I believe me, I am, I want to make money. It's not, but I also think that there's like, there's a, an area there where people don't have it. They don't even know. And the, the funny thing is about that too, which, which it should just shut up the haters. Is they don't know. It's not like they're going to fit. Most of the, some people will have heard of finishers before. Maybe they were there at some point and they kind of live too far away. Now they could go to another place, but having another smaller place up there, I'm not trying to go in and wipe anybody out. It's a, it's not a huge spot, but it's big enough where we could fit a hundred students in there. Not at once, but like over the course of the classes, you could have a hundred students and it's a, it's another place for people to train no gi and follow that lead. Like we're not trying to take, we don't do gi. We're not coming in trying to like, you know, outdo any of the other places or anything like that. Like there isn't that many up there anyways. Um, but most people will just sign up because it's the closest place to their house. And that's a, a thing people forget. Like they, you know, we do have a, like, I do love our Instagram and we do do some things on there that are like, you know, geared towards people who already train. But what we also have to remember the business aspect of this is most of the people we're bringing in are straight beginners. So like little things like your website, your, you know, uh, um, Instagram, like a lot of these things should still be geared. So that way a new person can see that and they want to come train. Like we'll put up ones that are like, you know, deep trolls where the only like guys who have been are like purple belt and higher who actually look into jujitsu, which is an even smaller, smaller version, a uh, group of people that actually like look into it. Like I, if I say to my class, like a lot of guys, I'll be like, how many guys know who Eddie Bravo is? And like, if it's a fundamentals class, like so a lot of people have no clue who he is or they know of him because they've seen him on Joe Rogan. That's it. They don't know anything. They just think he's a guy on Joe Rogan. And he's like, wait, he's the guy, he's the guy. Or, but then we'll have people who will drive an hour and a half because they know it's a 10th planet, you know? So that's the other thing that quells a lot of like the haterish talk or anything, anyone who is in the industry who hates um, a thing I've been saying to myself for a while is who gives a fuck with the guys that, sorry to curse, but who gives a fuck with the guys in the industry think, you know what I mean? They're your, they're your peers. Sure. You want to look cool to them, but there's too much of wanting to look cool to them as opposed to, if you really want to make money, the money is out there. It's not in the people who already follow you. Yeah, sure. We can just put shit out there to our followers all the time. I do that all the time. I'm always pandering towards the people who already follow you with the shit that you know that everyone likes. That you, you know what I mean? But how do you get the people in that, uh, you know, know nothing? You know, that that's the that's the real, you know, game. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, we we've started a program here in our local area. Um, I run it out of the ATA facility that my daughter takes Taekwondo at, and we've created a, a jujitsu program out of there. And it's tough as hell to get new people in there as beginners. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. for sure. And just like you said, people 
I, I hear it all the time. Like, oh, I'll come over there. I didn't even know you guys were there. It's really close to my spot. Like that, they'd rather do something that's convenient than travel a hundred miles to go someplace that is the cool thing. Um, right. So I think that what you said right there is absolutely spot on. I mean, I see it in the market already. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's smart business. It really just, that's what it comes down to. And that's, that's really what I wanted to focus on today. I've listened to a ton of your podcasts about jujitsu and all of those things. And um, yeah, yeah. I talk about jujitsu probably too much, <laughs> but <laughs> moves I, anyways. And absolutely. Shit, yeah. And just so you know, too, like, I think that what you're doing on the Oceans Athlete, it's so, if anybody's not familiar, um, the, or is it Athletes Ocean? I can't remember. Oceans Athlete. Athletes Ocean, I think, yeah. Athletes Ocean. It's probably the most inexpensive way to get access to great tutorial, great um, technique. Five bucks a month, like that, that's crazy. And I'm I'm like scrolling through people's your your feed especially, and I'm just like, holy shit! You even put stuff that was on BJJ Fanatics on there. I'm like, what the hell? This is wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna post. I'm gonna put up lately. Uh, now that I, I'm just getting back from like having a hernia surgery too, so now I'm gonna start posting stuff on there. But I'm also gonna post up like little business. I've been thinking about where to do it. I think I'm just gonna post instead of having another thing like that people could sign up for. I'm just going to push everybody to there um, uh, and just start doing my business talk things on there. Like go on, just record little five minute clips and then just throw them on the, on there. So that way I'm, I'm creating a, um, a list of my own stuff. So I'm getting my ideas out there as opposed to just having them in my head or on paper. But then also too, that's, that's a great thing. Cause people keep asking me about that. They're like, yo, where's the business talks? I'm yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I should put that up. And I, I want to keep doing my podcast, but I think that's another good thing to do is put all the, like, you know, put the longer version talks on there and then I'll just clip it out for Instagram probably, you know, yeah. put them in so. that Dropbox, send them to Quentin and uh, yeah, and say, he'll hey, cook them up, click, click it through, bud. Click it through. Yeah, because that's the thing with like every social media guru out there that whenever they talk about how to grow the audience or whatever you want to do with with your content, it's like have the long form, chop it up into little bits, put that out there on your socials, and that filters everybody to the main spot, uh, which would be like this uh, Ocean's Athlete, Athletes Ocean. Yes. Yeah, dude. No, that's totally on. On point. Um, is, is there is there anything like – that, that you wanted to get across to the listeners today. It's just, we're really about growth mindset, about business practices. And I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to jump on here. I mean, shit, I, you guys can't see this on the podcast, but like, bro, I have fucking, I got notes galore on here. Nice. Just of the stuff that you've been talking about. Um, I think that anybody who is in business in general, some of the things that you discussed is just walk before, crawl before you walk, walk before you run type of mentality. Um, being able to lean on others as well to to grow and to scale what you want to do. Collaboration is abundant in what you're doing. Uh, it's it's helping everybody else make money at the same time you're making money. I exactly. always say that too. Like whenever you help other people make money, you don't got to worry about money. It's just you don't exactly. have to. You're always being able to put on a good show. Um, so, but yeah, just wanted to give you your flowers as you give flowers to people at, at your tournaments, which is another thing that like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, this guy is like a, it's like they're, um, you know, not to equate people to horses, please don't take it the wrong way. However, I like horses when a horse <laughs> wins a race, they get flowers. 
So yeah. when the competitors win an, win a uh, tournament, they get flowers, and I think it's exactly. Really cool. Yeah, we gave that. We gave with the reason why I started that is because uh, if you remember in um, Pride back in the day in Pride fighting, they would have that. Um, it was like you you would have to. I would stay up late because remember Pride was in Japan, mm -hmm. so it would come on super um, late, like two a.m. So I would like stay up for that and watch it. And they some of the fights, I have no idea why. It's probably a Japanese thing, obviously something in their culture, but they would have like. Rampage Jackson versus, you know, who knows? I forget who he was fighting at the time. I think it was might have been Shogun Hua. And for some reason, Tito Ortiz was there. And he comes in and gives both guys flowers. You know, and there's a whole bunch of, a whole gang of people in the, um, uh, in the ring too. I don't know if they were like, you know, girls that were dressed up like the geisha girls and like they have all this different stuff going on and it's in Japanese. You have no idea. And the commentators, they don't know, but like they give him the flowers and everyone's clapping and stuff. And he's like, cool. This is right before they fight. Like imagine in UFC, if they were in the cage and there's just a whole thing going on, you know what I mean? So it's kind of crazy. And then I got, I got the idea from there. And um, I was thinking, I was trying to think of different things to give out at the tournament because, and we do do medals. Like I have medals coming for this one too, but um, sometimes it's like, you know, we have less division. Let's think of something different. That's not corny, but like, I'll see so many people copy each other. Like um, the Midwest finishers, Omar, he did the um, big chain, you know, with the spinner. He was the first one to do that. And he's like, you know, you guys should do it. I'm like, nah, I don't want to copy that, you know, but I saw even Eddie Bravo and some of the other guys copied that. And there's nothing wrong with copying. That's flattery, you know, if you do copy it like that. But I mean, you know, there's no, you can't say like, I do a chain. No one else can do a chain. But I was like, right. we got to do something different. Even before that, um, we gave out, um, we in karate back in the day, we called them a Shinai stick, but it was like a wooden kendo stick. What the Sandman and ECW used to use and I whale people in the head with that piece. Well, when I got my black belt, and when I started teaching at a Tiger Showman's, my old sensei gave me a stick. He came to the thing. He's like, hey, you're an instructor now. Here's your stick. Because he would walk around and just whack people in the legs with it and stuff when you're doing forms. So I still have it at the school. Every now and then I'll bust it out. And like that, you know, if the kids are like not listening or something, I'll make a joke. I'll be like, that's it. I'm getting a stick, uh -huh. you know, and I get the stick and I come out there and like while they're doing the planks at the end, I like whack them in the legs and stuff. Um, the parents love that. Uh, you'd be surprised. They're like, oh, yeah, hit my kid with that in the legs. He needs it. You know, they know I'm only fooling oh, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I'll give that out as, you know, a present or, or uh, you win and you got, you know, a medal and you got when 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 it was COVID. We didn't know how many people would compete, even though we were going to run an event like it was still legal to do it. But we didn't want to have 5000 people at the gym. We knew the cops would have came. It would have been somebody in the neighborhood would have been freaking out. So we did like 10 divisions. And then when we only had the 10 divisions, way less people. But that's the other thing. The beauty of it. This is how we cut costs on all these events is it's at our own gym. So we already pay rent. So this is just another thing on top of it. We don't have to pay the extra fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars to rent the event place. I mean, and then we got to lug the mats. We used to do that. So I just used all the mats at the new spot, sold the rest, to, or Thor took them to Allentown, and then we still have like the middle of the like the where it says finishers on the mat, but they're slippery, so we don't use them. But now since we can have the event at the dojo, it wipes out a huge cost, so we don't have to go anywhere. It's at our place. So even if like there'll be times when you'll go to an event and there's no one in the crowd and you're like, damn, they didn't sell any tickets. You know, there's high level athletes, but they didn't, you know, they made zero money off the door. They probably lost money on the door, but that for we're lucky because that never happens to us because even if 
40 people, 30 people show up to watch and only the competitors come. I mean, it's not the same room like, and that's never happened, but we've had lighter ones when, you know, we do them so often and there's not that many people there. And it's just a lot of the competitors just trying to look to get matches in and flow loves it because they're getting another stream, but there's not that many people in the crowd, but it doesn't matter because we don't have to pay the rent. We don't have to pay. Right. There's no that overhead. So, yeah. That helps out a lot. Keeping that um, cost low. Yeah, that and that's exactly what I what I was talking about though. Like even opening up this new place, I'm not gonna go a thousand percent, a million dollars. It's not because I don't believe in myself. It's just because I I feel like there it, you wanna you don't. They always say like you don't you think you have time, but you don't. But you can't rush good stuff. It's got to be done the right way. It's got to take time. Sure, I would love to have it open now and have the mats installed and up and running, but. I need time to promote it. I need time to get the building maintenance stuff corrected. So that way that's all right. We got to take the lease and, you know, we just work on a couple of things, but a lot of people say they're going to do it and then they take the first step and then stop. And then it's just little steps. Every little, every day I do a little bit of something. Like when I get this break while my son's sleeping, I'll jump on a podcast and promote myself and talk to people and learn new things. Then when I'm off, I'm making phone calls or I'm trying to, you know, move one project, another step forward, you know, and then just taking those little steps. And eventually you just keep working up. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn, now at this one part of my business is up here. This one's down here. This one's here. This one's here. And we just, you know what I mean? Just keep advancing forward until eventually we have it, you know? That's that's for me. That's the only way to do it. Like I, there, there's one guy you got to check this guy out. His name's Tony Relentless. You got to just see the the what he's doing. It's and the and it's, it could could be good or bad. It could be he's a drug. He might kill me for this, but he could be laundering drug money. He could be. I have no idea what this guy's up to. But he runs the the. It's called Fusion Gym. Have you heard of this? I'm Fusion. It. It is a like. I, first of all, I never see any videos of people it being packed to the gills where there's a million people in there. So it's kind of weird. I don't get it. But if you watch this guy, he is the opposite of me. And now, granted, this guy comes from money supposedly, and he's had like a shit ton of money and investors and crap. Which I have some investors, but not like this. You know, not like this. This guy is putting up. Like they're huge gyms to work out in. And for no reason, there's a cage in there. There's a, just look up fusion gyms and his name's Tony Relentless. It's insane. He's like, and it's weird because it is motivational somewhat, but to me, it just, it's so weird. Like I like the car sales guy that's teaching you how to sell. This guy is like, no one's going to do it bigger than me. I told you I'm coming out here. I'm building the biggest gym in the world. And people will be like, you got to be that one percent or you got to be that guy. I'd be like, I don't know, man. He might go out of business and lose everything, you know, and because he's really putting himself out there. He's yeah. really overextending himself. I don't understand how he has the money, honestly, or how anyone on God's earth has the amount of money to put that out as a business move. He said the outside is bigger than most gyms. We're in the East Coast. Half of the fucking year, you can't work out outside. That's why I don't understand what's going on. But he's the opposite of me, though. He's like, whatever, we're doing it bigger. We're putting in a football field inside the gym. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> what you're putting in a football field inside the gym. I'm opening up a 15,000 square foot, um, you know, martial arts studio, which I, this is the business I've been in my whole life. And I'm nervous. I can't, this guy, I, if I was him, I couldn't sleep at night, you know, yeah. like once you be the listeners go find, look at this guy and just tell me what you think, man. He's crazy. I'm going to have, I can't believe he's doing it. Yeah. And well, just like you said, it's, it's easier. It's like also easier just to be like, just to stepping stone things in and, and allow people to grow with you. 
than just like force this huge thing down people's throat. It's just like, yeah. and then it becomes like really super heavy on the sales side of things. And you're like, exactly. Yeah, bro. Like too much. It's just too much. And there's no history to it. It just is people a place. Love the story. People love yeah. the story. They love the buildup. They love growing with you. It's just, that's how any good thing ever goes is it's always a slow burn. And then all of a sudden you're, it's an overnight success, right? Where yeah, be like, bitch, I've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> I know people just find out about me too. They're always like, man, you did like, uh, how do you get the money for that place? I'm like, dude, I've been working up from this for 10 years. Right. We started this 10 years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's always how it goes. That's always how it goes. And, and the, the history of it though, is very important to me because I love that. I love looking back at eighties and nineties pro wrestling. Like they're doing all these documentaries on the, at the time you didn't think you thought it was stupid or whatever. But now when you look back, you realize how, how cool it was the coolest documentary I've ever seen. I'm big on watching documentaries, obviously. Um, uh, but, uh, like that one Eddie Bravo clip where he's like, have you seen the documentary where all these documentaries, but the one on Michael Jordan, that one is the best documentary to me of all time. Mm -hmm. The, is it the last dance? Is that I what it's called? What it's or called. no, uh, the last dance, is that a movie or what is that? No, that was, uh, that was the whole thing on the bulls. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the one on the one on Netflix or whatever it is on Michael, J it is so good when he's just sitting there talking and he's like, and I took that personally. And then he starts crying because he was so hard on everybody. He did want them to win, but he wanted to win, you know, obviously more than anybody. So he starts, that one is so powerful when he starts crying. He's like, look, if you don't, if you don't want to play the game like that, then don't play. You know what I mean? And then you're like, damn, dude, that yeah. was sick. That even just gives me goosebumps now thinking about it. Um, but, but that's the history. You look back. A lot younger kids, they always say you got to know your history. You got to look back and see this stuff. Same with the finishers tournament. That's why I love it because there's a history to it. I always post the old matches of just local guys that went at it. Went at it. And you're like, oh, here's this guy versus this guy. Remember this classic matchup? Or, you know, Gordon Ryan won the first one. They were Mike Padilla lost to Mike Davila. They still talk about that shit. They're like, dude, I should have won finishers one. You know what I mean? The guy's still, there's a lore to it. Yeah. And even the, the school has that too. Like guys will say, they'll always talk shit to one another. They'll always be like, I, um, uh, yeah, I, I was finishers uh, when we were over by Jimmy John's, you know, and they're like, dude, I was pre all that shit. Like I was training with Zach before there was a school, you know, or guys would be like, I was there before there was wall pads, you know, is that's like a it's like B.C., you know, like 1420 B.C., like before Christ. Yeah. That's how it is. Like I was there before wall pads, dude, when there were holes in the walls and shit. And people are like, damn, you've been training here forever. You know, the guy, the guys respect that, you know, they look back at that and like so. Um, we do have a Hall of Fame for the finishers tournament, but I think for the school now, I think I'm going to make a, a Hall of Fame. You know, for a while, they were just posting on their stories that guys were, I think Andrew came up with it. They were writing legendary finishers. And it wasn't just like guys that are like still part of the, it might have been like, you know, some crazy ass dude that we had before in the past, like a guy, you know, and everyone has every dude like that as a nickname. You know, it'd be like, yo, Big Jason, or they'll be like, this guy be like, yo, remember Big Jason? Guys will bring him up still. And that that would be like a legendary finishers. Like, remember the time when yeah. Big Jason 
brought in, you know, all those rash guards and sweated them all up and then left them on the mat and we flipped out on them or whatever. Like people remember those stories and the fact that there is a history that goes a long way. Well, there's no history to shit and it's just built. If people are like, ah, okay, they'll use it and abuse it. They don't give a shit about it. But now people will even say to me, like, you know, they care about the finisher's brand. They have nothing to do. They don't even have anything to do with it. They're just guys, you know, been training with me for like eight years, you know, and he cares about it. So it like brings up a thing. And then the guys know they're like, Oh, when we're about to get, it's funny when we're about to give out a black belt on Wednesday night, usually is the class that I teach and mad people come to it. And, uh, that's like our busiest night. And, uh, <laughs> you'll start seeing some of the older guys in like Greg will show Greg, the hammer, we call him, he'll show up Uh clam bake, you know, is another guy he shows up. They're all, all black belts of mine since, years ago already. And uh, when those guys start showing up, everybody in the class, like the purple belts and the guys that are just like the comp competition guys, purple and brown belts and like a lot of blue belts, they'll start seeing all those guys and they'll be like, oh shit, something's going on. You right. know, they're either giving out a black belt or some big announcement or something, you know, and they start getting hype with it. And I think all that little stuff, man, goes a long way, no matter what business you're in. If there's some type of like history to it and like there's a way we do things and like people remember stuff it's really cool and that's why we keep bringing that stuff up on social media we'll keep posting those things to remind the guys like make them feel good about you know and that that's what it really martial arts and i you know this could be one of the last things i say that's one of the biggest things i think too is having that camaraderie of people together that want to work together that you know you you know not everyone fights but when the guys fight from our gym everybody comes out to watch it like when we have three people fighting mma even though we don't train the jujitsu guys don't train with the mma guys all that much but they might roll with them once or twice and then they feel like hey i'm part of the i'm part of this team i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna support them you know so you're supporting fighters and it gives you something to do like i know guys from high school they just play softball and they just drink beers they don't do anything like when you're a part of something it makes a huge difference the guys love that that's why we have police officers that's why we have people looking for friends that's why we have former military guys that's why we have people who used to be on a wrestling team or played college sports or whatever they people like yearn to be a part of something bigger than just going home and watching tv and sitting on your ass you know when you can actually get there and like hey i help out or even if you don't feel like you help out whatever you're there you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. the adults and the, the relationship that everyone has and then the kids train together. And then I put that, I made up like a name for them. So like those kids have something to rep, you know what I mean? And it's, it's cool. People love that crap. They really do. You know? I Like I said, Zach, you have created quite the situation over there uh, at 10P, at Finishers. I, I just, again, I, I think that people fail to realize what's being done over there just from a business point of view. I think that now that you're putting it out there and really putting yourself out there as not to say like you're this guru or whatever, but I think that there's some real valuable lessons to be learned uh, for people who want to make that transition into business, regardless of what it is. Maybe it is a jujitsu gym dojo, um, but it could be this. This is this is transferable to anything. Yeah. Any business you want to do. All of this is very transferable. And I just appreciate you coming on to to, to this show and, and sharing it. Yeah, no problem, man. I love doing this kind of stuff. And um, whenever we can get it done again, I'd love to do it again, man. You know? Well, I'm pissed that I missed out now. on the summit. The summit is sold out now. So I'm pissed that I missed that. So I'll be I'll be connecting on the next one um, for for that because I saw. Well, that. hey, if you still want to come, you can come. I'll throw you in there. 
because I think someone just dropped off anyway. So all right, well, but, uh, let me look at my schedule because I, I would definitely want to uh, want to hook this up. Nice, yeah. Even if you can only make one day or something, just let me know. Okay, we'll hook you up. Like I'm trying to. I don't want to like exclude anybody that, especially that I know, because I know a lot of people wait till last minute too, and their schedules are crazy. But like I wanted to make sure it's definitely sold out for like the general public. Yeah, yeah. You know? But on the side, if you want to hit me up, be like, yo, man, right. get me in the side. We'll this see what's up. <laughs> All right, bro. Man, other people too. No, I'm just kidding. But. Thank you so much, Zach. I'm, I just, I'm so excited. So I appreciate you, brother. Take care. Yeah, no problem. You too, man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter Spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey.